Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to those of you gathered in the room. Welcome to those of you who are gathered with us online. We are glad that you're here today to worship, uh, worship God together. We like to begin with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Pray with me, will you? Lord, when we, when we sing this, Be Thou My Vision, I'm reminded of the way you see us, the way you see our world and, and everything that's happening, Lord, right now. And Lord, the prayer in that is that, Father, that you would help us to see all of this through your eyes. Be our vision, Lord. May we see each other. May we see our world. May we see everything that's happening politically, in, the, in, in other areas of, of the globe, Lord, where we may not know what's going on, let us see it through your eyes, through your eyes of mercy, through your eyes of compassion, through your eyes of justice, Lord. Be our vision. Lord, I thank you for bringing us here today. Each person that is in this place and each person that is joining us online, thank you, Lord, for gathering us together with one heart, one family, Lord, all for the purpose of worshiping and glorifying and praising you. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity that we have not just the ability to do it, Lord, but we, are, we have the freedom to be here openly and unafraid and unabashedly worshiping you. Lord, what a great opportunity for us. We can't thank you enough for that. Lord, some of us have come rejoicing in what you've done in their lives this week. Some of you, some of us have come just with great things going on in our lives. And we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory for those great things you are doing. Not just done, but doing. Lord, some of us have come with physical needs that weigh heavy on us, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in each of those, that you would move in each person in their bodies, in, in their, their minds and their spirits, Lord, as they need healing. Be a very real presence in their lives, Lord. Pour out your spirit as a healing oil over them. Lord, some of us have come here with other burdens that aren't physical, they aren't spiritual, but they're just burdens that we carry. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uplift each of those people, Lord, each of us that is carrying that, those burdens. May we know that we can lay them at the foot of your cross, that we can lay them at your feet and let you take care of them, that we can walk away hands off, trusting, Lord, that you are working, that you are, you are doing what it is that needs to be done for our good and your glory. Lord, we thank you again. We praise you for what you're going to do in this service, for what you're doing in our lives day to day, week to week, moment to moment, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Are we going to oh, go ahead and walk around and mingle? You know, it's, sometimes this changes day to day. So this week we're still walking around and mingling. Yeah, this is good. I'm glad that we are able to do this right now. Uh, those of you who are watching the numbers know that uh, we're in this uh, interesting time when it comes to this whole coronavirus thing. And, and uh, right now, at least, our county and a couple of others near us are low enough that 
It looks like we can still, you know, not have to wear masks constantly indoors and that sort of thing. But we're paying attention. And thank you to those of you who make sure that I stay aware of that. I get emails from a couple of you saying, like, did you catch the latest thing from the governor? Or did you catch the latest thing from, uh, you know, the, the State Department of Health and all of that? So we are paying attention. And um, hopefully, well, let's keep praying that enough folks will get vaccinated and enough folks will be uh, careful that we won't see the numbers uh, continue to increase here in our area and we'll be able to, to keep the masks off when we're not, uh, you know, when we're the vaccinated folks, you get to keep your masks off. I know when I got that shot, that's what I was uh, hopeful for. I was like, whoo, all right, I'm going to get to put that mask away and, and then the Delta variant and then we're all, we're all just kind of trying to do our best. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, as long as the numbers are still okay, we'll keep greeting each other. We'll keep coming forward for communion like we're going to at the end here. And uh, we'll keep uh, saying that, uh, yeah, take the masks off if you need to. If, if Once you're seated, you can have them off and all that good stuff. All right. Quick announcements. Uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect to fill out a digital connect card. Let us know that you're with us, especially those of you who are online, uh, that we don't get to see you, your smiling faces. You can, uh, you can fill out the little thing, say, hey, I was with you, and that was great, or that was terrible, or whatever feedback you've got to give, uh, any questions, that sort of thing. Or let us know especially, let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, and that goes for all of us, of course. Uh, let us know how we can be praying for each other. Uh, those of you in the room, there are little green cards back there by the offering box that you can jot a prayer request or comment on or anything like that. Just drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can do that back there as well, or you can go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give online. I do want to make sure that you know that today is the last day to give to Robinson E. North, our visiting missionaries from Africa Nazarene University. They're going to be with us this Thursday night, uh, 7 o'clock. Let me look, make sure. Yep, 7 o'clock. Yes, 7 o'clock. Uh, they'll be right here this Thursday night. If you want to hear what's going on there in Nairobi uh, through Africa Nazarene University, you can show up here. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Might want to get here a little bit early. We don't know how many folks are going to come because the invitation has gone out to some of the surrounding uh, churches of the Nazarene. And so we might have a few more people than usual. We really don't know. So if you are interested in hearing from them, uh, we'd love to have you come. And if you'd like to give uh, to help support their work, I know we've had some of you already start doing that last week and somebody sent some in the mail. Uh, you can click the little missions fund to give to if you go online and, and give that way, or you can just write missions on the envelope or whatever, on the memo line of a check, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, when you go to livinghope.info slash give, you can just click the little drop down that says general fund and you can switch it to missions and give whatever you'd like to help support their work there. And then uh, Saturday, uh, if you have bike parts lying around or an old bike that you're not using anymore, uh, you can bring it here to church. There's a group that's going to be in our parking lot from 9 to noon giving away bikes. And, uh, and they'll take donations, too, so that if you have bikes that you're like, yeah, we don't use this anymore, they'll say, great, and they'll fix it up, or they'll use it for parts, and they'll put a bike together and, and have it out there to give to someone else. So 9 to noon right here if you would like, or if you know somebody, especially if you know somebody that needs a bike. You know, they've got kids, and they can't afford to go and buy bikes for them and everything. Bring them out. Say, hey, there's a group that's going to be here at our church parking lot this Saturday, 9 to noon. Come out and get a bike. Um, so, yeah, they, they do this from time to time, and we're glad to be able to host them uh, this Saturday. And then Jason, Thomas, come on up here, man. Our, our new youth director, he's got a couple of announcements, things. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember now if it's questions or just letting us know. Or, but anyway, here, have this. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Rich. Okay, uh, I'm Jason, the youth director. and. Um, oh, am I in a good place now? Okay, um, all right, I'm going to warn you, Jessica usually does the announcements. She's not here today because um, they fired me at the other church from doing announcements because I did such a bad job. So I'm going to try to get all this right. Okay, all right, so we have a South Bend game coming up soon. I know we have some Reds fans in the house. This is the Cubs uh, single A team, 
Uh, it's a church event. We have 30 tickets available, and uh, the game is on September 3rd. Uh, they're $8 each. So if you would like to go, um, we do need a head count by August 30th. And so that's on a Friday. So we would love to see you come out. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, our youth group kickoff event is August 13th at 7 p.m. And on Saturday, the 14th at 3 p.m. Now, this is a really, really cool thing. It's a church-wide event. Uh, the Church of the Nazarene, there's going to be churches. It's an online event. So there's going to be people from all over the world attending the same thing. Uh, there's going to be lessons involved. There's going to be speakers. And there's going to be a giant party at the end, too. So it's going to be an online party. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, we have had uh, an anonymous donor give $5,000 to start the youth group. Yeah, yeah. So I'm super excited to spend that money, but I'm not going to spend it. What I want are the kids to get together and to design the youth group. How, how could you create something that your friends would want to come to? How could you create something that you would actually want to go to? You know, because um, I don't think I ever knew what was cool, and I definitely don't know what's cool now, for sure. So uh, I would love you all to come. We're going to have so much fun, and uh, it's going to be great. I know there's something else I'm supposed to announce. Oh, yes, we have to figure out a time to do that. So I would love to take you guys out for pizza. So I'm going to be mes messaging you and calling you and bothering you and trying to get you to come and hang out so we can talk about how we can spend this beautiful gift of $5,000. And if you don't call me back, um, I'm just going to spend it on stuff you don't want. So you <laughs> probably should do that. <laughs> and there was something else. Yes! Yes. Okay. So, so Ella uh, messaged me, Ella Bono, she messaged me and said that she wanted to um, collect school supplies for needy kids in the area. And when a kid messages you and says she wants to do something good, you say yes. So um, if you have any school supplies that you would like to donate, you can bring it next week and we'll make sure it gets to kids that need it. Or if you'd like to make a, a cash donation, uh, I will make sure that we spend it on school supplies and, and that we give it to kids. So uh, I think that's it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jason. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm excited for the, uh, for the new things happening with, uh, with uh, middle school and, and high school students here at Living Hope. So thank you. Thank you to you and to, to Jessica for, uh, for helping take the lead on this. All right. Uh, how many of you are watching the Olympics? Anybody seen an Olympic event or something on TV? A few of you? Okay, all right. And a few of you are saying, no, I hate all things sports and I refuse. Uh, I don't know. All right. Um, I, I just couldn't help but see some of it. We were in a restaurant, uh, I don't know, sometime the last week, and we're like, oh, Olympics, very cool. Um, but I just heard something just this morning. Uh, I, there's a podcast I listen to every week, and just this morning, as I'm walking the dogs uh, on Sunday morning, this podcast comes out on Sundays. Not many come out on Sunday mornings. Uh, but it's just interesting, uh, what's it called? No Stupid Questions. And uh, they just talk about interesting stuff. And just in the midst of their conversation today, they mentioned Olympics and a study that's done on the difference between people who win silver and win bronze. Have you heard about this? Um, obviously, if you win gold in the Olympics, you're ecstatic. You're the top of the, you know, top of the world. You've beaten everyone. You're going to Disney World. Uh, but people who win silver and people who win bronze, they, they've done surveys and interviews and studies to find out. What they've discovered is that people who win bronze 
are happier than people who win silver. Isn't that interesting? Um, does that make sense to everyone? Are you like, oh, yeah, I get that, right? People who win bronze are just thrilled to be on the metal, the metal stand, right? They're like, woohoo, I made it. We've you know, beaten number places four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, yes, we got onto the metal stand. People who win silver are like, oh, it could have been gold, you know? They're like, they're frustrated that they didn't win gold, but people who win bronze are just thrilled that they, you know, got up there. That was reminding me that, like, the way we experience life, um, it's not just based on, like, what happens to us, is it? It's not just because if it were, then we're like, silver would be happier than bronze, right? I mean, second place better than third place, and, you know. Uh, but the way we experience life is so impacted by the story we tell ourselves, the way that we picture, the, the, the way that we think of the world. And, uh, and that's why I wanted to spend some time this morning uh, looking at some of the stories that Jesus told about his kingdom um, and what it looks like to be a part of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You know, it was uh, a few weeks ago now that we were looking at the stories of Samuel and Israel wanting a king and, and remembering that, uh, from that that God wants to be king. And he wants, to be, you know, we, he wants us to listen to him and to do what he says, to, to honor him as king, to follow him as king. So what does it look like to live in God's kingdom? Jesus has a lot to teach about that. He came announcing the coming of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven the rule of God taking place here in our world. And in Matthew chapter 13, he has several stories that could be a whole series of messages. We're just going to do kind of like a skim through, an overview. There's one of these that had grabbed my attention, and uh, you saw it on the back of your notes last week, um, that was, as we were talking about the enemy, the, the devil, who, the enemy of our hearts, and how we need to guard our hearts against believing his lies. Um, and he features in, in a couple of these stories, but the first one is very familiar. Some of you, you know, you're going to be glad that we're not spending a ton of time on it. I've preached on this a number of times. Uh, it's a story of, well, let me just read it. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So he's kind of saying, if you got your ears on, if you're paying attention, you know, listen to what I have to say. Now, the disciples come to him a little bit later, and they're like, mm, well, what's the whole thing with the farmers and the seeds and the thing? You know, we're listening, but we're not quite getting it. And Jesus tells them, okay, look, I'll explain it to you. And, uh, and this is kind of an interesting little he says, I'll explain it to you because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to you, but not to them. He says, I'm saying these things in parables, kind of riddles. Sometimes, sometimes the parables Jesus tells are like, oh, that's very clear. That's very, you know, he's helping us to understand. Other times it's like, oh, he's kind of hiding. He's kind of hiding the, the, the instruction or the picture inside this story. And it seems to be that he's saying, look, if you want an explanation, you've got to come to me to learn from me. You can't just kind of be a, a, a listener who just kind of skims the surface. If you just skim the surface, you're going to miss the meaning. But if you come to me, I'm happy to explain. At the very end of this chapter, he says, uh, I don't have this in your notes, sorry. Uh, at the very end of this chapter, he says, uh, after he asks, have you understood this? And the disciples are like, yeah. And he says, good. And any teacher of the law who is a disciple of the kingdom of heaven... It's going to be like someone who brings out of the, the storehouses new things as well as old. And he's got this picture like there are teachers of the law, people who know the old, old story uh, of what God has done through the people of Israel, the religious leaders of Jesus' day that he often butted heads with. 
He said, if those teachers of the law become disciples of the kingdom, if they take that extra step of coming to me and wanting to know what I'm, what I'm teaching now about the kingdom, then they'll have all the old stuff and they'll have the new stuff too. But they've got to take that step. You, congratulations, have taken this step. You are here on a Sunday morning or you're here uh, tuning in, joining us uh, online. You want to know. You're at least, uh, well, at least somewhat curious. Most of you, I'm looking around. Yeah, most of you at least want to know, you know, something about God, about his kingdom, about how we live in this world in a way that honors him. So Jesus says, I'm going to explain these things to you. To those of you who are interested, to those of you who are willing to come to me and listen to me, I'm happy to tell you. So he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So like it never takes root, it never sinks in. It's just somebody who hears and is like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Huh, okay, what's on TV? You know, they just kind of move right on past it. And he says the, the evil one just kind of snatches it away. It doesn't get a chance to, to do anything. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Wow, this is great news. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's why I encourage you. Let, you know, spend time with God's word. Let it sink into your heart. Let it dig some roots into your imagination, into your mind, into your heart. So that when you have trouble, it's not just a you know, surface level relationship with God. It's, it's one that's got some depth to it where you've, you've understood who God is and, and that he's with you and he's not going to give up on you and that you can make it through. Uh, let's see. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So there's stuff in their life. There's other attitudes, other um, allegiances, other affections, things that they want. And this goes back to this idea of guarding our hearts, right? He's saying they've got the, the things of this life they're concerned about, the deceitfulness of wealth. Keep the word, the good news of God and his kingdom. Keep it from being fruitful. And that can happen to us. We don't want that to happen, right? We, we don't want those other things to, to crowd out uh, the message of God that's coming to us. God wants our hearts. He doesn't want our hearts like scattered five different ways. He wants, you know, first place in our hearts. And all the rest of life kind of gets pulled along in that direction. But the seed, he says, falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The, the good news of Jesus is fruitful. It makes a difference in their life and for others, to bless others. You know, when there's a crop uh, and there's fruit that's, that's born or, uh, you know, that's not just for the crop, that's for other people. So I think what Jesus is trying to do for his disciples with this story is try to answer the question, why doesn't everyone get it? You know, Jesus, we're following you. We've heard this good news and we're, you know, we're all in. We're following you. We're trusting you. We're learning from you. Why doesn't everybody get it? Why are some of our religious teachers saying, no, no, it's just, you know, whatever. Uh, the chapter right before this, the religious leaders were, Jesus was doing this amazing stuff, casting out unclean spirits, demons, and, uh, and forcing them out of people's lives. And the religious leaders are saying, oh, he's in league with the prince of demons, with Beelzebub. That's why he's able to command the demons. And the disciples, I'm sure, are like, why, why do some people see this so differently than we do? And Jesus is helping them understand, look, not everybody receives the message the same way. Don't be discouraged as he sends them out, you know, to tell people the good news. He's like, just... Tell everybody. Be indiscriminate with it. You scatter the seed. Just scatter it everywhere. Tell everybody you can the good news about Jesus. Some people will receive it well. Some people won't. That's okay. If you have a chance to pull some weeds and help them pull some, great. If you have a chance to dig up some rocky soil so they can, great. Uh, if you have a chance to spend enough time with them so that you know it's sinking in and, and it's not just going to bounce off of them, great. But, you know, don't, 
don't think you've done something wrong if you share the good news of Jesus with someone and they don't respond like you, like you hope they will. He's trying to help them understand this. Right? He's trying to help them understand how the kingdom of God works and the message of the kingdom works. So he has another story then that's about agriculture. I think mm, not all of them are. Okay, so if you're like, man, I'm not a farmer. Why? Okay, not all of them are, but that was the society he lived in and, and ministered in. So that's, these are the stories he told. Uh, in verse 24, Jesus told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Uh, this uh, often is called the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. And um, apparently there was a weed that's common in that area that looks a lot like wheat until it starts to develop to the point where the wheat's developing the, you know, the head of grain at the top. And then the weeds are like, oh, wheat, you know, just a weed. And you can't tell at first. So it says, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the other one. In this chapter, he only explains two of these parables. That's the other one he gives an explanation for. Uh, a few verses later, it says, Then he left the crowd, went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Uh, and the son of man is a reference to himself. All right, So he's saying, That's me. I'm the one sowing the good seed. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That last part's not a fun story at all, right? Uh, people getting thrown into a furnace. Uh, and he has a similar story later in the chapter. He says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake. Your fishermen, well, you probably don't use a net, but anyway, they did. It's like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's got a couple of stories in here that are like, you know, there is going to be a judgment day. At some point, there's going to be a day where the wicked and the righteous are separated. And uh, I'm not sure, I, I just read this last week that, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus differently, right? And uh, uh, they, they choose to include some stories or not include other stories. They, they tell them slightly differently. And um, Matthew, in several of the parables of Jesus that he includes that Mark, Luke, and John don't, in several of the parables Matthew includes, they, in, they have this kind of element to them, like a, a fiery judgment at the end. And so maybe Matthew, I don't know, maybe he was dealing with a, a group of people that, that needed to be reminded. You know, like, look, this isn't just going to go on forever. There will be a judgment someday. You know, the, the time is limited to, to, to trust in Christ, to get your life right, because someday you won't have a chance to do that anymore. So listen now. Maybe, maybe Matthew knew that's what his, his folks needed to hear. They needed that reminder. Or maybe the people that Matthew was talking to were uh, oppressed, were suffering at the hands of the wicked, 
And they need to be encouraged. Look, this suffering won't last forever. The people that are hurting you one day will be removed from your life. You know, this is not going to go on forever and ever. That even though it's going on right now, that one day these wicked people who are, you know, making your life miserable, one day they will be removed and you will have freedom from the, the trouble, the danger, the abuse that you've been suffering under. God is paying attention and one day this will be dealt with. I think that's the story about the wheat and the weeds. I think maybe he's trying to answer that question. Why doesn't God just deal with evil now and evil people? Why doesn't he deal with it now? Why didn't he pull them out of my life? You know, why doesn't he get that person out of my life that's causing me such pain, such grief? Why is it that I still have to put up with these troubles? You know, I'm trusted in Christ. You know, Jesus is, has conquered sin and death. Why do I still have to deal with this, this evil? I heard one pastor, uh, I guess it was last year, he was dealing with that passage, and he was, uh, he was, he described it like talking about even like viruses and COVID-19, you know, these kinds of things. Like, why do we have to deal with this? Why doesn't God just get rid of all these viruses and all these, you know, there are negative things, evil things in this world. Where does that come from? You know, and this story has Jesus telling us, look, this, you don't just attribute every bad thing to God. It's like, he says, no, an, an enemy did this. There is an enemy. We talked about that last week. There's an enemy who has influence on the world, who has been influencing creation since the very beginning. You know, we read about it in Genesis, you know, chap by chapter 3, there's this serpent, this weird talking snake thing that is tempting and trying to, trying to subvert God's creation. And so for as long as we are aware, from before human beings, there's been this enemy who has been at work in God's good creation, sowing bad seed and doing evil. And why hasn't God just dealt with it already? Well, in this story at least, he tells those servants, oh, no, no, don't, don't pull up those weeds early because you might damage the wheat. God's concerned that if he just kind of, if, uh, if he just kind of sweeps all the wicked away, that some of the righteous might get swept up in it. And I think uh, hmm, maybe it's that he's more make, wanting to make sure that we, his servants, if we see ourselves as servants of God in this story, that we're not going around trying to pull weeds. Maybe that's what he's concerned about. But some of us Christians decide that, you know, we're the ones who are going to determine whether someone is uh, wheat or weeds. And we're going to, if they're, if they're weeds, we're just going to get them out of here. You know, only if they're wheat, only if we recognize them as wheat will we let them stick around. Maybe Jesus is saying, careful now. <laughs> it's not always obvious to you what's weed and what's wheat. Um, maybe you should just leave that up to God. Maybe you should wait until God deals with that. It's just... Uh, Six chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus had told him, look, don't judge or you'll be judged. The same measure you use with others will be used with you. You know, he's not saying don't pay attention, don't be discerning. He's saying don't cast judgment on people. Don't determine like, oh, you're a weed. You know, I'm getting rid of you. Maybe we should leave that one up to God because people's stories aren't over yet, right? Maybe that's somebody that, you know, the grain is going to appear. It just hasn't appeared yet. I was thinking of Second uh, Peter chapter three verse nine, where it says uh, he's trying to Peter is trying to encourage folks, saying, "Look, God isn't slow in keeping His promises; He's being patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance." Maybe God hasn't dealt with that evil person in your life, you know, sent them an illness or a car crash or something horrible. You know, maybe God hasn't done the things that you would like Him to do. Because God's being patient with them. Because God still has work that he wants to do in their life. Because God knows that person can be turned around. That person can be redeemed. That person can become wheat, fruitful, being a blessing to others. Their story's not done yet. And I'm thankful that God has been patient with me. 
that someone didn't catch me earlier and say, oh, clearly a weed, get rid of him. I'm thankful that God is patient and others have been patient with me as well. So maybe this is in part being told to help people understand, okay, the kingdom is here, the kingdom has arrived, but why hasn't it all kind of come to fruition yet? And it's like, well, look, the day of judgment's coming, it's not here yet, but you can trust God. God is paying attention. God will deal with things. He will, you know, liberate the oppressed. He will uh, remove the abuse and the suffering from our lives. But we have to wait. We have to trust him, that God knows what he's doing, and that God will deal with it. So don't feel like you've got to put your hand on the sickle, okay? All right. Um, he, uh, he tells another story. Let's see, where is this? In verse 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. I have a feeling some of the disciples were a little bit concerned because as they looked around at how people were responding to Jesus, they are like, okay, most folks aren't agreeing with us. Most folks aren't on board with this. You know, there's, it's a very small, you know, this is supposed to be a kingdom. It's pretty tiny right now. And Jesus is saying, look, it's okay. The kingdom starts off small, like a mustard seed. But with time, it will grow. With time, it will be, you know, the largest of garden plants so that birds can come and, and perch in its branches. It, it will be a blessing to the world. But it's, it's okay that it starts small. It's okay that it's just a little bit of yeast. It will get worked through the whole dough. This, this good news of God's kingdom, this good news of, uh, of life that God gives uh, to those who are suffering, this, this good news that God is for you and not against you, that forgiveness and new life is possible, this good news will have an effect and it will impact you know, more people than you can imagine. I, I can't imagine being those disciples and having no clue you know, of how many millions, billions of people would be impacted by the good news that Jesus was sharing with them. He says, don't worry, it will, it will grow. It will have, the impact will be huge, but it takes time. It takes patience. There's a book on my shelf in the office that I'm eager to read and haven't made it to yet uh, that I've had several friends recommend. Um, I think the title is The, the Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It talks about the virtue of patience, how this was something that the early church uh, you know, cultivated. And saw that, like, yes, we have to be patient because God is doing work. Uh, interesting. I, I look forward to seeing how they use that imagery of fermenting uh, as a part of that. But um, there is work that God is doing. And if we are patient, it will grow. It will have a transforming effect on, on the world around us. Maybe that's something that some of us need to hear today as we're frustrated by how long things are taking. <laughs> or how, how small the impact seems to be right now. It, it will be huge. The, the impact, the, the small things that you're doing will have a, a bigger effect down the road. If you just keep scattering those seeds, you just keep, you know, making sure you're living a life of grace and of love and of blessing. But we have to be patient. It takes time. And the last stories that I wanted to share today says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I think the, the basic thing Jesus is trying to say is like, look, this is worth it. It's worth it to, to grab hold of God's kingdom. It's worth it to say yes to Jesus. It's worth it. Um, 
but also to understand that it's not immediately obvious to everyone the value of this. It might not be immediately, value, uh, immediately obvious to us. Other people might say, what on earth are you doing? Why are you buying that? Why are you spending so much money on that field? It's just a field. But this person knows, oh, there's a treasure in that field. And if I can buy that field, I get this treasure. So he's willing to, to sell all that he has to buy that field because he knows there's a treasure there that, that's a part of it. Or the merchant looking for fine pearls, he knows the value that it has. He knows that if he sells everything he has and buys this pearl, it's, it's, it's worth so much more. But whoever, whoever has it doesn't recognize its value, doesn't recognize what it's worth. And if I sell everything I have and buy this pearl, I'm coming out the winner in this exchange. Jesus is saying, it's worth it. You might have people around you saying, like, why would you spend that time with that person? Why would you, why would you be patient with them? Why would you bother to do the hard work of... of reaching out to them and trying to make things right with them and, and seeking reconciliation. Why would, you, why, would you, why, would you buy, why would you be so generous to those folks? Why would you give to missionaries doing stuff on the other side of the world? Why, why would you even show up at church? Why would you, why would you join online? Come on, let's, let's watch a movie, man. There's more entertaining stuff. But you know, like the disciples knew, and Jesus is, is saying, it's worth it. That, we, that whatever you invest in God's kingdom, whatever amount of time, of energy, of faith, uh, of your allegiance, of your affections, whatever you invest in the kingdom of God, it is, it is worth it. Because what, what you get back is so much more. It might not be obvious to everyone around you, but Jesus is assuring us there is great value here. Now, I don't know. These, these all kind of address different questions, different concerns. And uh, I don't know if you're on the silver or on the bronze uh, in the metal stand right now. I don't know what in your life it is that you're facing, but I thought it didn't take Jesus all this long to tell these stories. It won't take us all this long to walk through them. These are just a few of them, all right? You walk through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He tells all kinds of stories. And as we read them, as we listen to Jesus, he will shape our imagination. He will help us to picture life in the kingdom in a way that will help us then as we face circumstances calling for patience. As we bump into things, we're like, come on, God, why can't you just deal with this evil now? As we wonder why the people around us don't respond the same way. As we wonder, is this worth it? As we face these scenarios, Jesus is trying to help us to, to, to have a picture in our minds that helps us to persevere, that helps us to trust, that helps us to know that it, that it is worth hanging on to Jesus. It is worth following him. That this kingdom of God thing is worth our, our full commitment, our full allegiance. And that's what Jesus asks for. He, he doesn't ask for us just to, like, kind of listen sometimes. And, and, you know, when we're really stuck, then we maybe we'll reach out. Or, you know, Jesus doesn't want to just be kind of on the periphery of our lives, one of several resources that we reach out to if nothing else works. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants our lives. He wants your life. He wants your allegiance. He wants your heart. He wants you to turn to him and trust him and say, okay, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do with my life, but I'm willing to trust you with it. You've given me certain gifts. You've given me certain abilities. You've, you've given me a future. You've been able to take the, the junk from my past and, and forgive me and heal me. And you've, you've gotten me to the place now where, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to trust you with my life. This is what Jesus wants for us, and it is worth it to live with him as king, to live in his kingdom. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. <clears throat> God, thank you. Thank you for 
telling these stories and so many others to, to help us to have a, the right frame of mind so that as we go through life, so that as we face setbacks or struggles or questions, uh, as we face disappointments, that we are not where we want to be on that metal stand. God, you are helping us to, to imagine life differently. You are helping us to picture uh, life in your kingdom. You are helping us to understand that it is, it is totally worth it to persevere, to continue to trust, to continue scattering that seed and telling others the, the good news that we have found in you, to share with others the joy that you've given us, or the grace, to be as graceful to others as you have been to us, or as patient with others as you have been with us. God, you alone know all the different circumstances that are being faced by folks here today. You alone know what's going on in the lives of those who are joining us online. But God, I firmly believe that whatever we face, if we will trust you, life is so much better. You are the healer. You are the one who gives us strength. You are the one who gives us hope. You are the one who gives life meaning so far beyond just the momentary pleasure or the status or whatever else we might be chasing. Thank you, God. Thank you that when we were stuck in doing life our own way, when we were trapped, uh, enslaved in the dominion of darkness, the Bible says, you, you came and rescued us and brought us into the kingdom of your beloved son. Thank you, God. Thank you for calling to us by your Holy Spirit, for bringing us to yourself, for helping us to, to be willing to listen, to open our ears and to hear what you have to say to us. Help us, God, to let your word sink deep into our hearts, into our minds, into our imaginations. Help us to view the world the way you do as we picture your kingdom that is already here, that is still at work, that continues to grow as we look forward to the day when you make all things new. Thank you, God, that today we get to celebrate uh, this amazing gift of love that you've given us in Jesus Christ through this sacrament of communion. We lift our hearts to you and we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of love that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. We offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Recognizing that, Lord Jesus, you, out of love for us, were willing to give it all. You were willing to join us in our, in our worst place, in the place even of death, of suffering, of abandonment. When we go through these things, God, we are not alone. You are with us. You have been there. Lord Jesus, you meet us there. Thank you that by your death and resurrection, you give us hope. You give us life. You give us grace. You defeat the powers of sin and death, the devil, so that we today can be free free to be loved by you, free to love you, free to love the people around us, to let your grace overflow from us into the lives of others. God, today we offer you ourselves, confessing our need of your grace and mercy, recognizing that we are, well, that we are no better than anyone else. Help us, God. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us, as loved by you, as sinners who have been 
given so much grace by you. You have been so good to us, God. By your Holy Spirit's presence here, would you transform us from the inside out? Changing our thoughts, changing our hearts, changing our imaginations, changing our lives so that we might live in this world as your kids, as your people, as your church. Thank you, God. Thank you for the chance to to celebrate this in a tangible, touchable, tasteable way. To be reminded that you meet us right here in the reality we live in. We will continue to trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We celebrate communion together. If you would like, you can just grab the the cups and things on the tables, or if you'd like, you can come forward as we sing this song. I'll be standing right up front here with a basket of bread and a cup of grape juice. The the basket has the regular pita bread and the gluten-free wafers, and it also has some of those little cups if you would like to, to join us and to be a part of this. If you're saying yes to Jesus today, that's all that's required. Um... Right now, this, today can be your moment of saying, okay, Jesus, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need the new life that you offer. Uh, if that's you, feel free. Let's participate. Let's celebrate. Thank you, God, for inviting us to receive your grace, your wisdom, your love. Help us. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we live in this world, we might truly live with your perspective on our lives and on the people around us, that we might live as a people ready and willing to share your grace and your love, to live as your kids, as your hands and feet, as the body of Christ given for the world. Thank you, God. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.